Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, Elsie. Hello, Jess. How you doing? Good. I've been singing every time we start to record. You have. I guess. Do I make you? No, no. Do I put music in your heart? Yes, I think you do. That's you nice. do. That's so nice. You totally do. Thanks. Um, thank you to everyone who's back with us. I've never thanked the audience <laughs> at the beginning, but I know. Thank right? you for those of you who are super listeners. Thank you for listening. <laughs> are you? No, those are the fast listeners. That's this what is super su- listeners are. No, no. There's yes, a difference between them. No, there's a difference. There's like the super listeners are not the fast listeners. They're like that. That's a whole other thing. No, I They're, know. Um, but but it stands to reason that a super listener will be going faster. Doesn't maybe. It? It's just maybe I just applied my own logic and I I like to make A plus B equals F. Yes. I know there's a lot of people that listen to us on top speed. So I just want to say thank you. (laughs) I feel like Dory. I feel like Dory speaking whale. (laughs) Oh my gosh. She's so cute. I can't. I know. So, yeah, we're going to talk about super listeners today and John Hockenberry and audio search and everything else. So, yeah. Okay. So, Elsie, how's it going? How are you feeling? Pretty good. I'm good. I'm I'm well. I'm it's December. It's starting to get chilly. It's chilly today. Wow. But I'm still I'm still surprised because. Just the other day, I i mean, I haven't even taken out like a proper coat. Well, then that's because you're in North Carolina because I had to break out the coat today. The puffy. I bought a puffy coat for Black Friday and um, it had to be a special Black Friday coat because they're more expensive. But I like the puffy coats, but not the two puffy coats because the two puffy coats yes. make me feel like I'm being strangled in my own car. So it had to yes. be a thin puffy coat, but still warm. Yep. Anyway, I had to break it out today. I was a little sad because yesterday 62, today 42. Good times. Whoa. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, it, the change. It, it was rainy and crappy here yesterday. Yeah, but warm, right? So was it warmer? It should have been warmish. Warmer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still was, yeah. I, I still was wearing essentially uh, like a, a, a warm sweater mm-hmm. and a little puffy vest, like a, a small puffy vest, like nothing yeah. super fancy or anything like that. And and a hat. But I do have to wear a hat. Like, I, if I don't wear a hat, I'm cold. And I also wear those little things around your neck. I don't even know what those, like, not gaiters. It sounds, gaiter sounds, like, scary. But, you know, those fuzzy things that are kind of like um, a, a scarf, because I hate scarves. They just The infinity scarf? Not an, oh, I hate those. Are you talking no, about, like, a not- cuff that you wear, like, when you get whiplash? It, they, yes, they kind of look like that. They totally look like that. Is it but like they're a dicky, but without fuzzy. the dicky part, just the turtleneck part? 
Yes. Oh my god! I can't even imagine you Have wearing you, that. These are so awesome. They are they are like my saviors. I love them so much because they're perfect. They keep my my neck warm and they don't fall off every single second where I keep on getting tied up on everything because that's what scarves do. They're so annoying. So, so um, anyway. I don't think I shared this with you last time, but I got a message the day after Thanksgiving from your mother on Voxer. <gasps> no way. Yeah, and I thought I'd play it for you. I hope you can hear it. I'm going to put it up to the mic. Let me know if you can hear it, okay? Okay. Happy Thanksgiving, Jessica. We are very thankful for you. We are very thankful that we met you and that you are Elsie's friend. We really, really are thankful for that. <laughs> Hope you're having a great time. Give lots of kisses to that baby boy that you have that is so adorable. Uh, we love you. Send you hugs and kisses for all your family. Bye. Oh, my gosh. It's... I'm going to cry. She's so cute. She's so sweet. Oh, my gosh. You know, I was sitting here thinking, like, only Elsie could be oppressed by parents like yours. (laughs) 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 I was like, she is the sweetest, most wonderful, loving (laughs) mother in the history of mothers. And I was like, but you know what Elsie probably wanted? Fucking Gloria Steinem. That's the mother you wanted. Like a like a neglectful, feminist, outspoken rebel. And instead, you got a woman who makes you papusas when you come home and invites your entire family over to eat and, like, goes to church and, like, sends your friends loving messages on Thanksgiving. Like, you want a woman who's just like, damn the man! <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean, not that you she, she was oppressed so you. Not that she oppressed you. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, I remember talking. I mean, we've already discussed this. But I remember talking with her about you. And, um, you know, and, and the main idea of this conversation was, why is she like this? And and your mother was just like, she's just always been like this. <laughs> and no matter what you say, she has to do it her way. And we just accept it. And I was like. Well, good for you. Then that's when the whole, I'm so glad you're her friend started. I know. (laughs) Because it was as if I understood them better than you. And in some ways I do understand them better than you. But I mean, it was almost as if in that moment we became partners in crime. (laughs) But I mean, similarly to your mother, I do, of course, you know, accept you exactly the way you are. But um. I don't know. I think she feels like, I don't know, maybe she feels like I can get through to you in different ways because I'm not your mother, which is probably true because we always. Right. Yes, because yeah. I think we yeah. always do that. We always and do that. that like, yeah, I did that too. Yep. Because your and mother never with knows our... anything. And they're always judging. Mothers judge. And you know I'm not judging you. I'm just making suggestions. Mothers can't make suggestions unless it feels like judgment. So. Yeah. You know, I've been finding myself doing that and it's really Own, I mean, as a your mom. own daughters, you mean? Yes, yes, yes. Where it's it's been a challenge to like. There's just some things that I'm like, dude, why are you doing Listen, that? Like, it's never going to change. You'll I know that. Away. But what I'm saying is like this. So here's what Hunter was doing the other day. Mm-hmm. She is just too darn cute for words. 
and but anyway, she found you know she was wearing this like sort of tunicky type um, long sleeve top, right, over her cute little skinny jeans, and she looked adorable. She's like, Mom. Um, do you have a belt? And I said, yeah, you know, you can, here's a belt. Like there's a belt for her, like their size and, and whatnot. She wa- she wanted a, like one of those like low hip, you know, yeah, belt yeah, yeah, wrappy like thing, a, right? Yeah, Makes yeah. sense. That's fine. That's cool. So she did it. She buy her a chain belt. No, well, no, right. No, but she got one and she put it on herself and it looked cute. You know, it didn't quite match, but that's okay. It The, the look was cute and I was like, oh, that's great. But the thing is, it had, you know how there's like extra like length of the, of a belt sometimes that just yeah, yeah, hangs the out? Yeah, tail or whatever, okay. yeah. Yeah, and so she was just very upset by that. She was like, oh, I don't know how to fix it. And then I gave her two of the options that I have used in my 40 whatever years, right? Yeah, you either tuck it down so it points down. Yes. Or Or what? you tuck it like around. Yeah, around, right. Like an extension. Yes, so that's kind of what I showed her. And mm-hmm. it was fine. It was like, it's not like it was doing anything. And she was like, very not thrilled with these two options. So she went out and then she got a sock mm-hmm. and wrapped the sock <laughs> around the extra side, the extra layer of it. For what purpose? <laughs> can't even imagine your face when you saw this. It's so funny. Yeah, and then I was like, why are you doing that? I had to understand why, right? So I was like, are you doing that because the flap feels uncomfortable for you? Or are you doing that because you feel that it doesn't look good? Right? Because those are two... Because the sock's not going to fix that, honey. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My point. Right, right. So then when I was like, hunty, if you wrap a sock around your cute outfit, around your belt. That doesn't look good. That just doesn't look good. There's just no, you know, and she was so pissed off at me. She was so mad at me. And I tried to say it in the most non-mama way, but I don't know how to do that. Like, I tried to, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it just doesn't make sense. And then she tried to, then she did something else. She wrapped like um. One of those chimney, what are those called? Uh, Pipe cleaners? She grabbed a pipe cleaner and wrapped it all around the side of it. But it didn't match. Like, I could understand if it, like, was the right color of the outfit or the color of the thing. I mean, somehow you could make it work. But it was a color that just looked like there was a pipe cleaner wrapped around the side of her belt. So. Oh, my Lord. So, anyway, that, yeah, so there's that. At that age, 9, 10, 11, Emily didn't like her bangs and her solution to this continuously was to cut them off at the scalp and i'm not saying she did it she didn't right but she kept saying i don't want my bangs i need a haircut and i would say a haircut is going to give you shorter bangs and she would say not if we cut them off and i was like cut them off where and then she would show me like she just (laughs) wants to make herself more bald and i was like emily First of all, you're going to be bald. <laughs> Second of all, they're going to grow in like like straw and it'll be sticking out. No, we're not. No, you're just growing them out. But it would be like every other month she would get this wild hair up her ass to cut her bangs off. And we'd have a whole right. argument about it again and again and again and again. It would drive me nuts. But the whole judging your daughter, like I'll just give you an example. My daughter could send me a photo of herself 
with her girlfriend in rehab, happy, and I would look at it and go, she's too much makeup on her eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you have to judge something. Like I couldn't just be like, I mean, I didn't have to say it to her every time, but there's literally no time I ever looked at her and didn't go, oh my God, why is she wearing so much lipstick? Or why'd she dye her hair that color? I hate that tattoo. Or why'd she pierce her face? You know, like it's like, I mean, these are all things that every mother would hate, but I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, my mother did the same thing to me. One time I was smoking in front of her because I felt as if I were an adult. So I could smoke in front of my mother. We were, I was smoking a cigarette. We were waiting to go into a store and she looks at me and goes, God, you don't have to smoke it all the way down to the filter. <laughs> and I was like, are you judging the way I'm smoking? Wow. I can't do It's like you really can't do anything right. It's like if, even if I'm doing something bad, she has to judge the way I'm doing it. Right. I can't even like <sighs> smoke properly. Even like the bad stuff. You're like, if you're going to do that. Yeah. Don't do it it's like this if way. I was doing shots in front of my mother, she'll be like, don't swallow it so loud. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything right for them. That's just the way it is. Anyway, I would never do shots in front of my mother, but that's the point. One day when I was 20, I had a idea that it would be a good idea to smoke a cigarette in front of my mother. I guess I was trying to push her buttons. I don't know. Anyway. All right. Yes. And so that Ooh. actually takes us into a conversation about... Many things. Should we talk about... Many things. John Hockenberry? Ugh. Ugh. We can. Well, actually, you know what? Why don't we talk about the latest... And, and actually, this is this right. show is coming out... On Monday, oh my gosh, I don't even know the The 11th. The 11th, on December 11th. And for those of you who don't know, there is a podcasting industry newsletter that comes out every Tuesday that is run by a gentleman called Nick Kwa. And he essentially has this gigantically super long, in-depth industry newsletter that comes, you know, that it essentially covers everything that has to do with the what we refer to as the procaster space, which is essentially public media, public radio, and I would venture to say 90 to 95% of the coverage is of people who are working in this professional space either in New York or in Los Angeles. So that would be Gimlet, WNYC, um, Podcast One, you know, all of those things. Yeah. So he doesn't really report on news of the people that we, we kind of – who are our audiences, kind of. Well, the independent – he doesn't report on a lot of independent podcasters. That's true. Yes. And so and, – and it's very interesting. I mean, he does – he has a lot – he does a lot of thinking, this man. He does a lot of thinking um, and many words in the newsletter. So this latest one came out. And the majority of the focus on this letter, or with the headline actually, wasn't on what Jessica alluded to. It was about this purchase of a company called Audio Search that he, it's not that he helped, he helped advise on in, in a few ways here and there. So he knew who the people were who kind of put this service together that was acquired by Apple. Mm-hmm. That was the leading conversation. Mm-hmm. And it was a very in-depth coverage of that. And then he went on to say that as of essentially, I think, December 1st, there were some allegations uh, against this gentleman. What is his name again? <laughs> I put it out of my Hockenberry? Yeah, Hockenberry. <laughs> that he was a douche. <laughs> a douche? 
Yeah. Well, I don't know how else to say it because he just, I mean, uh, I mean, a, a really awful one. An awful douche. And an awful douche that was uh, not behaving nicely in the workplace. He was, he's been sort of uh, accused of sexual harassment and he's also yeah. been a- accused of being a douche on set with some of the. Did they use the word douche or is that a, an Elsie? No. Okay. It's an Elsie thing right now that I'm coming up with. Like he was just being very dismissive, Surprised condescending. You would that word. Bully. He, he was called a bully. He was a bully to his yeah. co hosts, which were, I, I believe, from reading a thread that you guys need to kind of read here. I'll put a link in the show notes to this thread where he was a bully and he essentially. Um, I can't really say. I don't know the exact things, but three women of color left this podcast. Oh, they were his co-hosts, and he basically yes. talked over them, discounted them, and uh, interrupted them so many times that they all decided they didn't want to be on a show with him, basically. That's what yeah. happened. That's so not bullying. Even, not, that's Tons. not counting the sexual. He didn't necessarily sexually harass them. No, he didn't ha- no. sexually harass them. It was the sexual harassment came from other women that were working oh and and so here's what we didn't mention this is a wnyc show yes it was no it still is right now he's on it himself yes yeah and the show itself the premise of the show was about diversity it's about diversity it it was sort of like uh, one of the solutions put into place for the criticism that public media at times has that they are not diverse enough that they are not representing the public media or the public itself and so he was there and the main conversation around that is that it and this is the one that kind of was a it's a tough tough conversation that obviously the the threat itself like brings to light a lot of different things that is true in the majority of the United States businesses no matter what that it's like that there's so much things that are not right in the way that women and and um, diversity or people of color are uh, in any way uh, addressed. But what's tough is that Laura Walker is the president of. WNYC, and she is a woman, and she's been. I and believe, she's the creator of um, Work It, the girls thing. And now we know why. What do you mean? Now we know why. Oh, what? What do you mean? Now, why do we know why? Now, why? Why do we say? Well, that? I mean, the whole thing about Work It is to help women promote and support one another in the workplace. Keyword meaning workplace. You know, like independent podcasters don't have a workplace. Yet they still open right. it up to independent podcasters because it seemed weird that they didn't before. But I think maybe her point was that it's harder than those of us who are independent podcasters know in their space. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, yeah, there's that. But here's the thing, though. So what I'm thinking about is that it is really tough to stand up to a white man who has a lot of power. And I don't know what went on behind the scenes here. I don't know because Laura Walker has been in, in as president of WNYC, not just recently. I mean, I, I believe 10 years. I may be wrong again. I don't have, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so bummed yeah, that out that I don't, I don't have internet. That. Yeah. Uh, well, because it's, I, yeah, I just don't have the internet 
right in front of me right now, and it's making me crazy because I, I'm, I'm saying things from memory, and it's making me bananas. But what I'm saying is there has got to have been rumors, complaints that have had to have risen to the top about this. This isn't just not happen. You know what I mean? This doesn't just go like, oh, everybody's quiet and the president doesn't know. I mean, is that true? I don't know because... Of course. What about... Well, that That's like saying Netflix is supposed to know everything that's happening with all their shows. Yeah. Well, that's your job. Isn't that your job as an organization to know? To know the personal lives and accusations of every character on every show? I think that's difficult. That's not to say she can't do something about it now that she knows, but... The chances of her knowing the whole time is are slim. Well, so but here's here's what I'm getting at. But even if we're just discussing, like, let's say, all right, so let's let's discuss Netflix and House of Cards because that is part of it, right? Netflix commissioned the show. Well, I was referring to the ranch, but yeah, House of Cards too. Yeah, so there's that, and so there's that that's happening. The money has gone out, and there are, but eventually, though, I do feel that. The person that is in the seat of power overseeing uh, a little silo, let's say House of Cards, must have at some point heard something about it. I heard rumors about Kevin Spacey when I was in L.A. I was just going to say, I'd never heard anything. and I'm not in L.A. I did. I heard rumors that that time. Did you? So it was like... Okay, but then it's just talked about as if it's, um, how do you say it? Like when you're in L.A., people talk about the people they work with all the time. And it's just sort of like conversation at the dinner table. They just will say something. Mm -hmm. Same thing, you know, uh, all kinds of actors' names pop out of people's mouth. I don't go around and go, oh, my God, guess what I heard about Kevin Spacey? Because, again, it's hearsay. I overheard it. Somebody was talking or somebody else said it. And then you just kind of go... Oh, okay. Like, I'm not one that's going to go, okay, I'm going to go prove this, and then I'm going to share this information. It's sort of like when you hear you hear stuff like that. People gossip. Yeah. So, but well, what I'm seeing is, like, in a position of power, when is it? Like, if I, but if I was the executive producer of House of Cards, and I happened to be walking by a table at a restaurant, and I overheard a conversation about... Kevin Spacey, who is my actor person, then I would go, hmm, I wonder if that's true, at which time I would probably address another, like the person that's below me and go, I'm like, hey, I overheard this. What do you think about this? Is this happening? Have you observed anything? Because I would be concerned. Yeah, I'm sure she's concerned. I'm sure she'll do something about it. I was referring to Recently in the news, you know, everyone knows that he was kicked off of House of Cards and then a woman approached one of the executives um, at Netflix for kids programming and said, how come, I mean, they were just at a soccer game for their kids. I guess she lives, you know, close to them in L.A. And uh, she knows the guy. She's known the guy for a while. And she was like, how come you fire kevin spacey but there's four women accusing danny masterson of rape and you've done nothing and the guy goes because we don't believe those women and then she goes well i'm one of them holy crap she says i'm one of them (gasps) yeah yeah and then of course there's this whole statement about like you know she put him on the spot she he doesn't speak for the rest of us and then they fire danny masterson like right away because she was right 
You don't, what do you mean you don't yep. believe them? What purpose? Here's the thing about accusers. You kind of have to believe them because there's literally no benefit to telling people about it. None. It doesn't make you look good. It doesn't enhance your career. It's embarrassing. It's being vulnerable. It's, you know, you risk being accused of a liar. There's nothing good except getting that person justice. So that's the only reason why an accuser would be like, hey, this is what he did to me. Just so you know. Just so as you knows. Other than that, I mean, it's all risk. So is it worth the risk to get someone in trouble when they didn't do anything? I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Some people would say, I mean, I, I mean, I guess it's possible, but not probable. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think that one of the things that really irritated me about these news, and actually it's the reason that I was very, I was very upset yesterday be- because of this, because we've often talked here in the show and there's been an element of me from the beginning being incredibly snarky and incredibly resistant to the voices of public media and public radio coming into the podcasting scene because there is an element of dismissiveness to anything that we do as if our work doesn't matter. Like, you know, we essentially, as she podcasts, you know, having this amazing community of women that is growing and um, it, it feels great and we are part of something bigger. But our numbers are in no way at all big enough to be considered a hit show. You know, and that is the truth for the majority of podcasts out there. I mean, the the mean number is less than 200 downloads per episode per month. So it's actually moving more towards like 170 something or 169 downloads per episode per month. That is the mean number, which means like half of all podcasts fall below that and half of all podcasts go above that. There's only essentially a one to 3% of podcasters who have the numbers that are reflected back by those that have sort of like the the scope and the scale that we are seeing. And there is an element of dismissiveness to all of that where it feels like uh you know all of our podcasts even though we there, some of them are very very highly produced with lots of time are not seen as uh, viable. And that makes me angry and it has made me angry for a lot of time. But viable – so here – this is the part – I mean, yes, I know why it makes you angry. But I just want to cl- – I always want to clarify this with you. Viable to whom and for what? Because, yes, that doesn't feel good. But I also feel like it's a general – it's not specific enough. Are we angry at the hosts? Are we angry at the media? Are we angry at the advertisers? Are we angry at all of the above? And what do you separately want them to do? And what do you want them to do together? Just recognize that you exist? They don't have a need to do that. I get that. In their world, they don't have a need to recognize independent podcasters. To them, and I've said this many times on the show, even for us, it's a totally different thing. What they do and what we do is completely different. I understand that. But what I'm saying is that they are owning what podcasting is. To who? And to the general public? To, every, to, to the general – absolutely to the general public. That's what bothers you because the general public sees what they're doing and won't re- – It's because it's not them not recognizing it. It's the whole 
planet not recognizing it. It's essentially not showing the diversity that is the this podcasting space. To recognize that the reason that podcasters started to podcast was not necessarily because we wanted to be like radio. It's because we wanted to have our own voice and we wanted to do it our way. Also, podcasting isn't necessarily just the medium that they're showing forth. Podcasting has the ability to shift and change culture in a lot of different ways. And and also, that doesn't necessarily mean numbers-wise. We've talked about this before, you know, like having those programs to podcast for people who are eight, like uh, old elderly adults, having teaching elderly adults how to podcast. That isn't about them making 100,000, you know, episodes per episode per month or whatever. It's about giving them the opportunity to share their voices. That's a whole other value, right? That's something else. It's about like, you know, bringing podcasting into the school system. That's not about them getting all the download numbers. It's about teaching a skill and recognizing how to put a show together and making sure that they know how to be articulate with their voices and put that out and empowering them in confidence and all of that stuff. That is important as well. So what I'm seeing is like, it's so focused on, it's the NPR folks. But anyway, I don't want to go off on that because that's what I'm coming back now to why this is just so infuriating to me. So I did start to see it and kind of go like, you know what? I can't be such the angry lady all the time coming up at this. I must see the value. I must see the good, right? Because I have to move from it from that perspective. If my idea or my platform is to expand podcasting, to make sure that people all over the world really start to do this thing or listen to this thing, listen to podcasts, because that's a big issue still, to to see it as, as something they would do, then I do understand the value that they're bringing forth. They're opening up a lot of doors. I could understand a strategic alignment here as a podcast advocate, which is my own label for myself. I feel that there is that this is good. I don't want to be like, oh, bad public media, radio, procasters, you're evil. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I recognize that I needed to kind of shift my idea around that. Mm -hmm. And then I guess seeing this really made me angry because it just validated my initial feeling about this whole thing, which was that we're not doing this so that we can essentially, what reason we started podcasting was so that we didn't have to do this crap. You know, it's like, okay, so let me, so the, the thread from this gentleman who is, his name is Stephen Thrasher. He had this huge thread on Twitter where he was essentially saying how upset he was uh, about, um, he said he was livid, <laughs> about WNYC's complicity and shame in the sexual harassment and racism the women of people of color employees have endured. And he went off on all of this stuff. And he said some really, 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 really powerful things like, Quote, I've always felt public media is the most racist and bigoted media because the low wages only employ rich white liberals. The story shows another ugly thing, that the niceness and smugness of outlets like NWNYC makes them hide sexual harassment and racism. Mm -hmm. And that the careers of black women, other women and people of color are explicitly or implicitly are stymied. Meanwhile, Management is protecting old white men who are allowed to bully and harass everyone else. So I know that that there's a a bigger issue at stake in that. And I know that that's not just going to solve the problem just by addressing that. But here here's where I'm the most angry is that 
we and a lot of podcasters view the ways of these people, right? Public radio, you look up to them to some degree to say like, oh, I want that. I want to be like cereal. Or even if you don't want to think that, you do. And because you feel like, well, that's legitimate. And what I'm doing, I want to be like that. And then you know that if you want to be like that, you got to follow those rules. You got to work in that world. Yeah. And I don't want to work in that world. That's why I'm podcasting. And so that's why I got so pissed off. I got it. I understand. I just think telling me and each other isn't enough. And I hope you. Of course it's not. Well, all right. Let's settle down for a minute. I'm just. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Mama! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I just mean <laughs> – so I was – she and I, listeners, were texting a little bit about this yesterday and um, – <laughs> Yes, we did. And I, I had an epiphany over the weekend that I didn't want to necessarily have. But I probably needed it in that I've been um, for a long time just being very comfortable. I've been babying myself and not doing things that make me uncomfortable. And like, this is one of those things where it's like, oh, step out of your comfort zone. And um, people see that I podcast and I have two or three or that I speak in person and they think I'm very brave. It's not brave because I'm comfortable doing it. I'm perfectly comfortable doing all the things you see. What you don't see is me going after publicity or starting the course that I've been trying to start or doing more video and so on and so on and so on and so on. And so all the things I've been saying that I've been uh, wanting to do for years, I just haven't done them because everything that I've been going through personally was enough. It was too much, so much so that everything else in my life had to be comfortable. And so when she and I were talking about this yesterday, we were texting and I probably ruffled her feathers because I was like, yeah, you talk a lot about this to me and you talk a lot about it in She Podcast and you talk a lot about it in the E-League, but I don't see you talking about it where it matters. And so please join me in my next year. The word of the year is not inspire and motivate and collaborate. It's discomfort. Be uncomfortable because it's the only way shit gets done. We have to be uncomfortable. I'm going to cook more. I'm going to stop drinking soda. I'm going to walk around the block. I'm going to clean my house once in a while or at least keep it straight. I'm going to do my laundry on days, you know, I'm going to try not to. I mean, it's you laugh, but it also has included not going to the doctor, not doing blood work, not going to therapy, not writing thank you notes because it's all too uncomfortable. And I mean, I say that with a lot of disdain in my voice because now that I've realized it, it sickens me. But during the time I was doing it, I didn't realize that's why I was doing it. And then I looked at my husband, who's Mr. I can't get uncomfortable. And I accused him of having discomfortophobia because like, for example, he won't eat at the melting pot because the broth will waft up into the air and makes his clothes smelly. So we can't go eat at a wonderful fondue restaurant because of a smelly sweater. And I was like, we're not living. We're not living our lives. And he was like, I agree. We go, okay, we'll go to the melting pot. And then I went to a memorial for someone I didn't know over the weekend. And on the way home, I was like, oh, my God, his discomfortophobia is contagious. I have discomfortophobia. Hmm. I am doing these things. I don't go outside my comfort zone. Not only that, I'm not doing anything that's remotely mentally taxing or physically. 
because for, and I mean, once you realize that it sort of snaps you awake, like I've been snapped awake, but up until now, I mean, I, I'm not judging myself for doing it because I know exactly why, but I don't want to, I just don't want to do it anymore. I don't want you to do it anymore. And I'm not saying you've been doing it just because I've been doing it. I'm just saying it's hard to get ready to do stuff that makes you uncomfortable. You can never, it's like being ready to have a baby. No matter how bad you want a baby, you don't know what's coming or how much money you need or what kind of towels you'll you know, require. You don't know your baby's going to be a projectile vomiter like I, like me. Like I was perfectly ready, but I was not ready for that to be soaked in milk and vomit three times a day. <laughs> Disgusting. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you just, you just, you're never ready. You're never going to be comfortable. You just have to find the thing that propels your mission forward. Even if it means you're a little uncomfortable, you know, that's, that's really all. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. agree. Right. I agree. But I think that part of it is that I have been doing that. And I know that you're saying that these little, you know, these places. No, you're gearing these up. Sort of, I see you um, gearing up. I know. You know, and I and I've I've done a lot and I've done not- a, a lot of work and continue yeah. to do that. And I'm also recognizing, you know, because there's also this thing to to think about as well. We have to understand that we have got. Yes. Being un- absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, not yes, giving I'm, you credit. I'm, I'm not, not giving you. you credit. I'm just yeah. trying to push you forward more. Right. And again, but then for everybody else that's listening too, this is something that I I live through this too because there is an element of burning yourself out if you just go balls to the wall. You just can't. I didn't say balls and it'll just, to the wall. It's too much. But I didn't say. And what? And I know you didn't say that, but uncomfortable being uncomfortable. You have to do it a little that's bit true. at a time and small steps that are sustainable. And then it's in that sustainability that you can continue that's to make those wise. movements yes. without me taking the step uh, or, or sitting in the seat of leader in my own e-league so that I could begin in a safe place where I could essentially do, which is why why we do what we do in She Podcasts, to be able to have that, then you can hold on to that so that you can step forward, right? There was nothing... I feel like what you're doing is building an army of people and handing them a torch and lighting it on fire so that you can go march and kill the ogre together. Yes. <laughs> Essentially, that yeah. sound about right? Yes. So that there is Grab an element... Grab your pitchforks and get your torch and light them on fire and here's why. Now let's go. Yeah. And then part of it is too, you know, like with the whole... Um, the Hall of Fame, right? The Hall of Fame... Uh, recognition for me was that sort of recognition that I have to step forward for something. That speech that I Mm -hmm. had wasn't about, hey, uh, thank you so much for recognizing me. But I really, really was clear about why this is important, because I'm Mm -hmm. an indie podcaster, because I'm a Latina woman, because I really benefited from this medium and I'm a, I'm where I am by doing it my way. That had to be front and center versus thank you so much because I had all these other different things that were already, you know, like that are generally not recognized in before or have in, in any way. So that was great. It was great to do that for me. 
And it was scary because you're essentially you're given like you're like all of a sudden you are think about like that's what happens with with she podcast sometimes too where it's like you two come and you'll now represent all women podcaster that's like a that's a huge responsibility because it's not about Elsie and Jess. It is, but we've done about, that many times. Oh, anyway. I know we have, and I total, I completely understand that. What I'm seeing now, though, is that now it's about we got to step it up even more because it isn't just about education, and it isn't anymore just about it's uncomfortable to go into different groups and really feel like we're empowered. That actually, we we've got we've achieved that. Now we're in the next level. Now we're now in a, in a different place. So it's like our, our mission has grown. The vision is expanding. And that's where I'm, I'm feeling such a huge pull. And absolutely, I agree with you with the, the word uncomfortable. To be able to take a stand and be very clear and succinct with the things that we do and deliver it in how we do what we do to be of service and to really bring our platform forward. And when I say our, of course, it's you and I, but at the same time, it's also all of us. And I do. I recognize that I am in a seat now where I can make commentary about things like this that are coming from, uh, you know, a very unique and very um, uh, valuable point of view, which is of being an indie podcaster for over 10 years, for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And that, from, from, you know, th- that in itself is really important, I feel, specifically around shifting culture and giving people, uh, especially women, and, and people who are often not heard voices through the realm of podcasting that don't need a WNYC and a Gimlet and a, you know, everything else that's out there that is, that's when all of a sudden people pay attention. No, we could do it a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. That's it. I agree. The end. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The end. The end. So, uh, yeah. Um, And and I really want to bring a little more of the conversation with you guys. This is something that Jess and I don't do very well. And it's, you know why it is? It's because I really love to talk to Jessica. And I think when we get behind the microphone, although I do recognize that this is a podcast and it's going out to a bunch of people and other people are listening. So. I do see that. I generally just want to <laughs> I generally just talk want to, to hear Jessica. It. I just want to talk to you. <laughs> and so I What's like that. You know, that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, like, I'd love to hear more of their voices coming in and giving us their opinions. I would like to hear more, especially from our women who maybe do have an opinion or haven't learned something or have learned something or want us to discuss something. You guys can email feedback at shepodcast.com. You can send us a voice feedback and actually put your voice out there. I know that that's scary, but I, it you is. know, this is something that Be I uncomfortable. teach. Yeah, this is exactly. A good first step. I'm teaching this in the e-league, and one of the reasons that we use Voxer so much in there is it's an app, you know, it's a voice app thing, Um, is because I feel there's power to having to articulate your voice, the end, like your real voice versus writing your actual real voice to speak and be heard. Because like Jess was talking about, it is uncomfortable. And once you say something... You have said it, and it has a different power than writing an email. So if you want to send us your voice feedback, I will do my very best 
to make sure that we do have a segment where we do play the feedback that we get. So feedback at speakpodcast.com. You could do it directly from your phone, audio message right there. Or you could go to speakpipe.com slash sheeppodcast, which essentially you could do it right there. Uh, Touch of a button and boom, you're done. Uh, You know, 90 seconds. It doesn't have to be like a whole thing. Just make sure you, you just get it to us. I'm just curious, not to change the subject, but on the article about John Hockenberry, what do you see on the side? Like I'm reading it. And then I see a woman who looks like she's about to barf on the side, like on the sidebar. And it says the worst rim job story ever. Oh, my God. I am so sorry, but I don't like I've been trying to get I can't I don't have any Internet connection. So I oh, can't right. See it. So you can't pull it up. Well, no. I mean, it's really distracting from me trying to read, you know, I'm like, sure. as we're talking about this, I'm like skimming the article and like, you know, seeing if there's anything additional worth bringing up and we kind of talked about it but then i just wanted to like i just happened to go back to the tab and i was like oi anyway all right moving on we've been going for a little bit and we still have some more things to talk about but the other news that was released and actually nick qua he how do you say it when somebody releases something before everybody you know like scooped Scooped, scooped yeah. It. Oh, not scooped it, but whatever, yeah. He, yeah. yeah, yeah, he scooped it, whatever that was. He scooped it, but no, you're right. Uh, it's there, like a, I forgot what it is. It's like the name of that, like, but yeah. what, whatever per, that is. First person. He broke. Yeah, he broke the you. story. That's it. He broke the story mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. newsletter that audio search, and it's I think it's audio sir. Dot ch dot audio, ch- yeah dot. <laughs> ch- so audio search. So ch- they were acquired by Apple, and so that was big news because Audio Search the, itself is sort of like a oh, software. Broke the news. They broke the news. Yeah, they broke the news. The it's an algor. It's sort of like algorithmic search discoverability engine uh, that they acquired. And as you guys know, uh, the, at the, at this point in time, the Apple Podcast app is really sucky when it comes to that. They do search your title, and they do search. Um, the episode title, but the results that are given, at least at these at this particular moment, are capped at eight results, which is pathetic given the fact that there are yeah, it's pretty terrible, uh, really b- bad, bad. And so, what Audio Search does, I do believe too that they do search um, uh, show notes and things like that as well. So, if at some point in time, Apple does use this because you never know. With Apple, they do a lot of purchases, and then you never hear from that. Or they'll they'll purchase something, and then they'll use a snippet of code or a workflow within the purchase so that they can own it fully versus just you know incorporating everything out there. They do that. All the time, they've acquired so many different apps just to kill them off, essentially, and to be able to use a particular functionality within something to implement themselves. But you would never know it, you know, at all. So, but but hopefully, I mean, and there are some uh, at this moment in the podcasting, uh, you know, industry space, there have been thoughts that this is a obviously a very positive move from Apple, although I'm kind of of the ilk that I just kind of want to sit back and see what happens because it, to me whenever they acquire anything in the past I don't think that it has shown up anywhere in a way that's actually been impactful at all so if they do implement something they're just awesome. buying stuff to kill it 
Yes. A, a lot of the time they do that because they just kind of want to own stuff. But who knows? I don't know. I mean, I'm just complete speculation from what I have seen in the past. Uh, but it seems like they are at least aware that there is uh, some kind of trouble with people searching <laughs> for podcasts. So there's that. Uh, but there is, you know, there are so many different things like Listen Notes. Have you guys, have you checked out Listen Notes, Jess? No. What is it? Listen Notes is kind of what it's I new, right? just mentioned. Yeah. So Listen Notes is really cool because let's say you're doing some research on someone or you are doing some research on... <laughs> they call themselves podcast search engine that actually works. Let's use this as our tool tip. I know. it's Oh my gosh. Yeah, you guys definitely. So what the reason that this really works so well is, is just like what I was saying. If you're doing any research for, let's say you're preparing to interview uh, somebody on the show and you're like, oh, I wonder what they've said in a podcast before. I don't want to be like that. Then you can go in there and search for their name and then you will get all of the podcasts they've ever been on, like right there. But there's also this, like, let's say this is what I use two different keywords to search to see if I get deliberate results that will work for me. One of them is Facebook ads. I always search for Facebook ads and I always search for animal totems. Those are two like keyword searches that I test when I'm doing any podcasting stuff, because those are actually things that I'm interested in learning more about. And it's amazing. When I put animal totems in there, it delivered so many results. I was like, this is so great because it gives... Do you know when you type in women podcasters or woman podcasting, we don't come up at all? Well, that's that's because that's that's not anywhere in what we do. We don't have women podcasters anywhere in our branding. It's all she podcasts. Yeah, I know. We got to, I should at least keyword it up though a little. Jeez. <laughs> Where would you keyword it up though? But if in the tagline or call it she podcast, the podcast for women podcasters or something like as a yeah, tagline. You could do, you could do that on the title. I'll yes, do that. But not, you yeah, can't do gonna... it in the description because that's not searched. But anyway. No, I'm going to do it on the title right now. Is that okay? She podcast. The podcast for women podcasters. At least we'll come up in a search for the love of all that is holy. All right, go ahead. <laughs> but still, but um, what I love, but I do like it. Not necessarily just for my own podcast. So I didn't see listen notes as go. Oh my gosh, that's another tool for people to find my podcast. Like not at all. I saw it more as a research tool in the same way that I use Google. So, you know how you go into if something comes up, like, let's say even something's happening with your children and they have, you know, uh, I don't know, chicken pox. Like I would go inside of of listen notes and search for chicken pox and be like, I wonder who was interviewed about this or if something's come up about this that I want to hear or listen that is relevant. And particularly now when it comes to any of the political conversations that are going out there, it's really it's another really good way to sort of get the information from all kinds of different sides to be able to search for a term in podcasting so that you will get all the results. And the reason that Listen Notes is also really good is because, it, it again, it searches the show notes. So if in the show notes you've mentioned that keyword phrase, it'll come up. And that's great. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So I like that. Very, very cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very interesting. I wonder if they're going to turn this into like an advertising thing like all the other podcast search engines. 
like pod search and they're all meant for advertisers really i do not know what that is going to happen. i'm not interested in, in business models for some of these things so no i i know you're not but i'm wondering what their plan never mind <laughs> i think that we should move into a weird and wild show of the week let's weird and wild weird and wild weird and wild show of the week they apparently are going to start doing a Reddit podcast, and I believe you know those of you who, who don't know Reddit, where have you been all my life? Reddit R E D D I T is like a giant forum where you can talk about pretty much everything under the sun. I have really never gotten into Reddit, although I love reading like memes and stuff from there. And like I like seeing screenshots like I'm not really on Reddit a lot. I should be, but I'm not. I'm very intimidated because the people on Reddit are ready to jump down your throat if you do or say anything terrible. But anyway, the show is going to be called Endless Thread and it's going to be organized thematically around one to three stories um, interspersed with features inspired by their their content. So if you go to reddit.com and just type in like pretty much anything you can come up with, like a Reddit, I guess what they call is like little sub pages with topics. So like if I were to go to like reddit.com forward slash horses, oh, it seems like all their servers are busy right now. So I can't (laughs) go to reddit.com at all. Hello. Well, anyway, I think it's going to be really interesting. Like the stuff, like if you ever see stuff that comes from Reddit, like the people there are very smart, very snarky, very funny. And it's basically, a, it's like a giant support group, but that that will also tear you to shreds if you say or do anything wrong. So <laughs> it's kind of, wait, I mean, how would you describe Reddit? Are you on Reddit at all? I'm always afraid for my life in there. I hate Reddit. I really dislike it. You hate Reddit. Yes. If I were to... You hate it because people are mean? People are horrible. And it's probably one of the most misogynistic places that exist on the internet. It's horrific. Interesting. It is awful. And no, I wouldn't want to go there at all. Like, it's one of those things where my... Because my mental health is a lot more important. Okay. Okay. That's the old Reddit. But did you know that there is a whole Reddit thread about makeup? And eyebrows and highlighter. I guess, you know what? If I wanted that, I would go into YouTube. Me too. Or Instagram. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying now it's a little different than it used to be, just like humor Reddit and then everyone else can go screw. But now it's like Reddit about, it's like almost like all the things put together. It's like Pinterest, cupcakes. It's like everything, every possible subject, including bad subjects, which they've been under fire about a lot yeah and i think the only the other thing i don't like about reddit is that at this moment and i have a feeling that they're going to uphold this is that you don't need to be a real person meaning you don't have to you you can go behind a what do you call it like an avatar's name you know so you don't really nobody ever uses their the real like nobody nobody knows who it is i do I you know? do, but yeah, I hear you. So then, like, if people, if people, tr- there's trolls in there, and that's what they live off of being trolls. And they don't, they're not like that. They can hide behind uh, a username, and that's it. And Reddit actually stands yeah. behind that because they want to offer anonymity. And I, I find anonymity in this day and age to be quite uh, scary. Yes, I'm with you. I know. So, All right, that, but that's still me. a podcast will be interesting. Can we just agree yes, on that? Yes, yes, I really? absolutely. I agree okay, with that. <laughs> I liked 
<laughs> yes, no, I like the concept, and I think maybe it's going to change some minds, and maybe that's why they're doing it. And and I think that they're investing some money on this. Like it's not some random thing. Like they've actually outsourced this podcast to some pro caster types, and so hopefully that that that'll that'll continue. I, it has it has yeah. legs. I'd like to hear it when it comes out. So yeah. I'm curious about it. I thought, wow, what an interesting concept for a podcast, Reddit. So cool. And it's very it's nicely scary. named, too. I really, I, I like that title. Yeah. It's a good good title. All right. Well, so um, you have something else on here that's kind of interesting. Super listeners. Yeah. we This this article actually came up in mid-November, and I've been wanting to talk about it just, for a while. And I've yeah, been using just, some of the facts in this article for some of the e-league things that have been coming up too. And so the title of the article is Our Podcast Super Listeners Audio Advertising's Next Sweet Spot. And I I kind of was rubbed the wrong way with that because I thought like, why does it have to be always about advertisers and sweet spot? Ah! Um, and then, but actually this, this ad, ad week article, it's on adweek.com was really good. It has some fantastic information in it, particularly around... Uh, calls to action and getting your uh, listeners to take action with you. So instead of viewing it for me, and instead of only viewing it from the perspective of a, as an advertiser, meaning that now I have more information, I was seeing it from the perspective of, you know, when we want our listeners to do stuff for us, like feed, just plain old audio feedback and things like that. Uh, it, because all of us want that. People want more interaction. They want more engagement and all that stuff. You know, a lot of our listeners do want to make money too. Well, no, I understand that. But in but there's a lot of people like that are looking about to create a difference with their podcast that may or may not involve money. So this right, is but they speaking... can't do it for free. They may need underwriters and advertisers. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, Why is that they the need to know Why? this. Why is it the devil, Elsie? What do you have against money? It's not the money. It's the why. Because people get in here and go like, okay, I have a podcast. How do I make money? And I it's know, like, but we it's not. Dude, Can't we discourage that and still be excited that something is good for advertisers? No, we can't. It's we not. A, I be. think. It's not that I'm just saying I'm I'm putting my point of view around this so that you understand that having super listeners this is what I'm this is why it made me sad is because it feels like it's re, it's it's uncovering the beauty of those who are obsessive fans and using them. I don't want to see it from that lens. Okay, but who okay? wrote the article? Adweek. Adweek. Right. Again, That's a magazine for right. advertisers. Right. The title itself put me off. All I'm saying, though, Jess, is that I don't want to see it from that perspective. I want to help our listeners and who are also podcast producers themselves respect their super listeners and feel that they can offer value to them if they want to if they want to inspire a movement, a change, more engagement people to essentially support their work to be that's what I want I want them to see it from that point of view they will of course see it from the ad week perspective because it's on the ad week perspective it's on that website you just called it out right so that I don't need to you know I don't I need want? to sh- I want our listeners not to go broke podcasting they that's are what not I want. but see I know that <laughs> 
But the That's thing all is, I ask. Just don't it, go broke putting but, out your message. And this is a good way to – it's one way to not go broke. Exactly. What all I'm saying is that it's not as easy as you think and most people – don't understand that it's an actual business, but that's a completely different conversation. Yes, totally different. All right. Okay. okay. That's not, that's not what I'm talking super about. Listener. Okay. So, so super regardless listener. of how and why you hear this information, just know that it's cool. Yes. All right. So, Under whatever lens you choose to see it. So, yeah. So here is what it is. A super listener is, you know, over a third of people of ages 18 to 24 Listen to 10 or more hours of podcasts each week. That increases to 43%. Oh, my God. For ages 25 to 34. That's twice the listening time of more casual podcast consumers. So twice the listening time. But how do the super listeners find the time? The beauty of podcasts are their own, uh, the go-to nature. The report reflects that 69% of the people are listening to podcasts while at the gym, using public transportation or otherwise outside of their homes. And 84% of people indicate that listening on their phones is their preferred method. So the reason that I want to 93%, bring it- 93% are on the smartphone. Is that what you mean? No, it said 84% of people indicate that listening on their phone is their preferred method. Oh, it's the method. preferred method. But then if you go to the graphic underneath, it says 93% are on their smartphone. Whether it's their preferred way or not, that's how they're listening. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the reason that this is valuable to us, this knowledge, is that these people obviously are highly engaged with podcasts. They love podcasts. They're completely engaged. So when you tell them, go to... Shepodcast.com slash, you know, whatever, you know, (laughs) URL, that's where you can leave me feedback or you can do like there's so many different things that we make people do when they are, as it says here, when they're at the gym, when they are, you know, using public transportation, when they are outside of their homes or on their phone, that's not the optimal time to be web browsing because most people, when they're web drive browsing, they just click through. Like they click, click through to a link. Like if I want to share something with Jess and she's on the phone, it's better for me to say, hey, Jess. Like if, imagine me typing this to you, Jess. Hey, check out this article. It's over at Adweek. And it's called Podcast Super Listeners May Be the Next Advertising Sweet Spot. And then you'd go, oh, okay, when am I going to do that? type all that stuff out and find this article. But if I just say like, hey, read this link, you would click through, correct? Yeah. yeah. All right. So a lot of the time with us, with the podcast, that's what we were telling them to go to these places. But it's not an easy thing to do. You have got to teach them that everything's accessible via the show notes. For me, that's yeah. like, that is a deal yes. breaker for a lot of things. So you don't listen to any sh- What do you think if shows don't have show notes? Or just don't have them? I just don't want to have them. Um, I generally don't engage with them because all the information isn't there. I hate it when I look in my phone and they're mentioning like this really cool something. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to see what that is. And I'll go into the podcast app of my choice, which is where I'm listening. And I'll look and it says, if you want more show notes, go to our website. Or it's truncated and it's like a paragraph that says this show is about how to get more listeners to your show. If you want the links mentioned on the show, go to mywebsite.com slash blah, blah. You've lost me there. I'm not going anywhere. I don't have time. 
I just want to go to the thing uh, that you just mentioned. And I'm thinking of Mark Asquith's show, Seven Minute Mentor. Mm-hmm. He never has show notes, but he just has a title and then seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. If you don't like it, a Wellski. Yeah, look, it's it's up to him. I mean, I, but the thing is, it's like if you were to, again, we're talking advertisers here. We're not talking just your regular people, right? I mean, if he wants a seven-minute mentor and he really wants them to do something, that link, even if it's just the one link, maybe he says sign up for XYZ every single time, which is great. Just have that link at the top. Maybe that's the only thing he has to have there in the show notes, just the link. The link to do what you yeah. want them to do. That's it. Their email, oh, your right. email. If you want people to email you, the email has to be right on top. If you check our show notes right now, guys, right at the top, what I have at the top of every one of our show notes is our current thing that we want you to do now. So at this point in time, I have Jess's sneaky secrets to audience growth link right at the top. So if you're there, that's the first thing you see. And then you can immediately click straight through and sign up for that. If we're doing anything else for, you know, PodFest or if I'm doing the E-League or whatever, that's going to be right at the top. So whenever somebody does click through, they'll see it. And it's something that I feel a lot of us don't really tell people to do. It's like sign up for this, do this, but it's not easy for people to use. So anyway, that's what I think about that kind of data from there now. Also, the other thing that I wanted to mention here is this. Perhaps one of the biggest takeaways from the report, however, is that super listeners' potential for exponential growth because, well, they won't shut up about it. They overwhelmingly promote the podcast they love to their friends, family, and networks. 96% of people have recommended a podcast to a friend, and word of mouth was the primary way respondents discovered new shows. So, you guys, if you, you there's nothing like somebody else sharing your show. There's nothing like that that comes like in order for that to happen, your show has to be they they have to like listen and just go like, oh, my God, did you just hear this? You, I am the ultimate super listener. And I do that all the time. When I hear a show, sometimes I share it as I'm listening because I'm like, oh, this is so great. This conversation. I love it so much. So make sure yeah. And, and the part of it is that it's something that I teach all the time. It's something that I call language that you can repeat. Because what tends to happen with us as podcasters is that we feel that everybody kind of understands what we're about, but we're not consistent in telling them how to share our work. And I'm not saying telling them how to share as in you can retweet this or you can tell a friend. No, no not that. Not the actual tactic. But how to convey what the show is about. Because some this is what I happens all the time. Oh, I just heard this show. It's about um it's these two people and you should hear them. It's so funny. Right? So you have to yeah, be able totally. to you have got to in the way that you present yourself, either online or when you're having conversations with somebody, you have to say something consistently enough where somebody can go, oh, I see. It's a it's a with the feed. It's the podcast that keeps you podcasting, and then you can go. Oh, because she always says that, da, 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 and you can keep going because I say that every single time. <laughs> and part of it is some data that I found. I think was it in this one po- post? Maybe it wasn't on this post. Oh my gosh! Oh, what a bummer! I'm so sad, Jess. This wasn't in this post. Oh, here it is. This is it. Okay, you guys. This was the big, big thing. 
the average listener has to hear a brand mentioned on a podcast about 25 to 30 times before they check out the product of service. Let's stop there. I'll get the, to the rest of that sentence. But 25 to 30 times before they check out the product. So if you are selling your own product, if you're asking people to sign up for your newsletter, if you have 30, if you have an advertising working for your show and they bought one month and you have a weekly podcast, don't expect a lot. 25 to 30 times before they check out the product or service. Consistency is so important. Jess and I have no consistency when it comes to this. We don't tell you every time. Email feedback at com. We don't tell you. We would like to hear from you every single time. When we do remember, we'll say it. But that's why we don't get as much feedback as I get for the feed. The feed, I mentioned three or four different times during the show how to get feedback to us. Consistently yep. now for over a hundred episodes. Feedback at shepodcast.com. <laughs> so, but, but, but now here's the other piece of data. It says, but 75% of listeners do end up taking an action after that. So, your super listeners, these are your super fans. They need to hear you say to say to do that one thing 25 to 30 times. Before they take action. And 75% of them will. But you've got to say it 25 to 35 times. So again, if you have a monthly show, if you have a bi-monthly show, if you have a weekly show, you know now how long you need to keep saying something so that they actually take action with you. And I know Jess and I have gone through this in the past where it's like, ooh, we, you know, especially when we had Podcasting School for Women. It was just like one of those things where like, oh, my God, and we have podcasting schools for women and we're launching tomorrow. And I think we mentioned it like, I don't know, two or three times on our podcast when we did that, <laughs> which wasn't very good. And, you know, so now we know <laughs> we now know that if we're going to be going to PodFest and we're going to be like doing a specific, very important something, or if we're doing something at Podcast Movement where we are doing one-on-one sessions at Podcast Movement on the first day over there the entire day, we need to start mentioning that in every show starting January. Sorry, I'm just getting a chill going down my spine a little bit. Why? Because it's so many times. I don't, I just like. Exactly. I'm thinking about all the advertising that I sell. You know, there's a huge advertising agency that encourages their clients to buy one. And then if it goes well, then they'll buy additional. And it's like, I mean, we already know that's not a good idea, but this proves it even more. And then you think about even all the ads you've I mean, for me, brokered, but also purchased, but also accepted. You know, remember when we offered people like a month of an advertising? It was like five or six different people that we said we would mention on the show. Uh, we only did it four times. No, dude, we did Amazing it a lot more. Amazing, it's effective more. at all. We did it a lot no, more. No, we did it for a month. It was four episodes, maybe five, maybe. Because we I remember going like, oh, my times. God, why are we doing this? No, but what, OK, so here's what I'm saying to you. And so now as an advertising lady, and that's why when I read that, I was like, one of the first things that I would do if I were you, Jess, is I would reach out to the person who wrote this article, Sammy Mann. And I would say, hey, really great article. Um, 
So where did you get that information about the average listener has to hear a brand mentioned? Like, I want, I want facts about that. I want to be able to go to the source on that versus being able to move back into ad week for this. And then once I get the deeper source on that and make sure that it's a verifiable source, that's some information that they got from a very strong place, I would make that as part of the pitch for any time that I'm negotiating with podcasters or, or I mean, with uh, new advertisers you know that I'm are coming in. I'm going to do that right now, as a matter of fact. Because that that's how I viewed this. Because when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Because when I saw the 25 to 30 times, I immediately was like, oh. <gasps> It makes sense. Absolutely. That's my gut feeling. That's what I've seen that works. Because to tell you the truth, it's how I behave. I'm a super listener. So I listen to all these podcasts, either binge on them or I listen weekly to them. And I'm exposed to the same URL all the time. They're saying blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden I make a purchase. So I have made the majority of my purchases based on companies that podcasters have mentioned. And specifically, like my favorites, which are like the Mac Power users, most of the apps that I use on my computer and my phone are distinctly because the Mac Power users have talked about it, not just one time, but many times over and over again. And usually it's it's like this. Oh, yeah. You know that app that I was using, um, the app Bear? It's working really well for me. And then they keep going. Like, it's not an ad. They just keep talk, talking about something that they really love. And they bring it up in conversation all the time. And that's when I make my purchase. So think about that. 25 to 30 times. 25 I'm writing her right now. 30 times. As we speak. Okay, good. And I don't know if it's a woman or a man, but I guess Sammy could be it's a, a it's but a, whatever. Sammy, it's, she's a chick. Okay. Anyway, I think that we can close the episode on that note so please let us we can. Well, yes let us know if you have any feedback feedback at shepodcast.com and let us know your thoughts email us even if it's just a hello send us your voice feedback we would totally love it and play it on yeah, the show and yeah. continue these ki- t- kinds of conversations coming forward you can of course follow us over at twitter.com slash shepodcast facebook.com slash shepodcast and of course our lovely women only facebook group that is now i believe over eight thousand women in there which is insane so we hope to For hear from you guys is. very very soon and we'll talk with you in a couple of uh, actually next week not a couple weeks next week Yay. Da, 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 da. Love you. That was my ending note. About the lovely. Love you mean it. You didn't say love you. That was my... I know, because I was trumpeting. Oh. Well. I'm sorry. Love you. Mean it. Bye.